cool. That was my whole sermon in like three seconds. I won't have to worry about that. How many of you guys have heard the story of Jonah before? Maybe as a kid, maybe it's something like, this is a shameful plug for VBS. One of the, we usually have these type stories. We tell the kids about things like you know, Jonah and the whale, you know, David and Goliath and those things. That's where we kind of go back to our childhood, you know, but we did get some basis in truth because of those things we were taught as a child. And that's one of the things I want to encourage you guys to do is to invite your friends, all those folks, you know, all those kids in the neighborhood and invite them to VBS. It will be starting next Sunday. It'll be on Sunday morning and then on each evening during the week there through Wednesday. So Sunday morning and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday evenings. We've got a lot of things lined up. Very excited. You can tell with the name like Move, it's going to be lots of action, lots of stuff going on and lots of fun. Now, we have a lot of these cards laying around. You'll find some in the back here. There's some on the front table. I would like to see all of these disappear today, okay? They're not going to be any good this time next year. They're not going to be any good after VBS. So please take these cards. Give them to your kids. Let your kids give them to their friends. And let's see what kind of movement God can make through move in our youth here and in our children's ministry. So, again, just a little plug for remembering VBS. So, how are you guys this morning? It is really good to see all of y'all here because I was beginning to think this morning there wouldn't be anybody here. (laughs) Summer vacation is awful for the church, is it not? Everybody is gone. And I thought, well, maybe this is just a church phenomenon that people are just not at church. Oh, no. In the business world, everything I tried to get done this week was blocked by somebody's vacation. I would call and I I need to ask so-and-so. I'm sorry he's on vacation. I'm like, no problem. I'll call his backup. I'll call Jonathan about that. I'm sorry. Jonathan's out of the office on vacation till next week. Well, that project's dead. Let's move to the next one. Hey, Ethan, give me a call back when you get a chance. Got a question about the building project. Hey, hey, this is Ethan. I got a few minutes, Scott. I, I'm at the beach. I'm like, oh, come on. Everybody's on vacation, it seems. How many of y'all would like to be on vacation? How many of you have already been on vacation and still want to be on vacation? Yeah, I knew there's some of you folks like that. I'm the same way. We all need a break and some refreshment, so we understand that's part of summer. But it is a little bit different crowd mix during the summer for us. Our children's ministry are down a little bit. And that's the reason I would really like to see you guys come and bring a lot of kids to VBS and make it a big momentum thing for, for all of our kids and our workers. And, and we really appreciate what they do. And by the way, I didn't mention there is actually a... This is something that's foreign to most of us. There is a pre-registration thing online. On, go to journeychattanooga.com and you can register online and get your kids pre-registered. That kind of gets us a little bit of a way to do some planning of who's going to be there and stuff. I know you're like me. You don't pre-register for these things. You wait till the last minute. Hey, it's okay. You can still go ahead and pre-register though and it would be very helpful to us. But let's get into today's teaching. Is about Jonah. Jonah and the big fish. Many people call it a whale. We're not going to go into the debate about that. But how many of you have ever heard people talking about the story of Jonah as being like a parable instead of a true story? Have you ever heard people claim that? Well, that got interesting. Thanks, Sean. Um, have you ever heard that claim that, no, this is just a parable. Like, this is, this is so-and-so. This is just a story that, that Jesus was illustrating. Well, if you go back and you look at Jesus' teaching about this, no, this was a historical event because Jesus goes back and even refers to it. One of the examples is in Matthew 12, uh, verse 38, it begins. It says, then some of the scribes, and this is not in your notes, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, 
We wish to see a sign from you, but he answered them. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And it goes on to talk about how Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the Son of Man will be in the, in the bowels of the earth for three days. So there is historical evidence that Jesus is saying Jonah was a real prophet, a real person that existed in a historical context. So and sometimes we get a little bit, Jonah's a little bit of an odd prophet. He's not one of those guys that's really honored very much because of the reactions we're going to see to how God was using him. He's not, not one of the most well-known prophets necessarily. But what was this city he was going to? I think we need a little historical, cultural background in order to do this. The city of Nineveh is where Jonah is being called by God to go. We'll get into the scripture here in a minute. But Nineveh was the largest city in the world at that time. It was the capital of Assyria. So you kind of get an idea geographically of where this is sitting. This was the largest city there was. And it was a city full of lost people. They were known not only because they didn't follow the true God. They were also known as being a very cruel and very wicked people. Only thing I could even compare it to in our day and time would maybe be the, the, the people of Isis or Isil. Those type people, they were just barbaric almost in the things that they did. But they weren't doing it in the name of religion necessarily. They were just a barbaric people. So this is the people that, that we're talking about. Largest city in the world, full of cruelty and corruption and ungodliness. And here's what Jonah gets as a message in Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. What would go through your mind if God called you to do something like that? Yeah, oh no. What What would you think of as the worst place God could possibly send you? What's the most wicked city you can think of? Anybody? New York. New York, that's probably a good one. L.A.? Now, I don't mean lower Alabama, Los Angeles. What else? Vegas. There's a good one. Vegas. Yeah. Hawaii. I am sure Hawaii is filled with corruption. I need to be sent there immediately. You know, if you're ever going to be called as a missionary, I've always felt led to Hawaii. I don't know why that is, but you know, something about ministering in paradise just seems like, Hey, it's just a primer for when you get to heaven. Okay. So I'll know how to act when I get there. Won't act like the big redneck I am. I'll, I'll be used to paradise. So, Hey, you don't want to get called to the worst place in the world to be a missionary, okay? And, I, and it wasn't because Jonah necessarily feared for his life or thought these people would do something to him. He didn't like them. He had a bias against them. He did not want to go and share God's good news with them. Have you ever met people like that? Josh and I were having an interesting conversation out in the hallway just a moment ago and Now, uh, yeah, he's got me. 
little, little tuning there. Okay. I think we're about back. Good. Thank you, Sean. Those things happen sometimes. You ever notice that we talk a lot about dealing with change. Change comes every few minutes for us, and it's just how you deal with it. Tell a quick story here. I saw a Christian artist one time that this happened to him in concert. Do you know how he handled his microphone going dead? He slammed it to the side and stormed off stage. Do you think that was a very good witness over something so minor? Lost people are watching us as Christians to see how we react to adversity, no matter how small it may be. Well, things go wrong in our lives. Sometimes God is chasing us, trying to get us to do something when these things seem to go wrong. And this is what happened with Jonah. It said, here's Jonah's response to this call to go to Nineveh. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them, Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now this part of scripture has always baffled me. Jonah is a prophet of God. Being a prophet, you would think he knows scripture fairly well. Well, do you think going down into a ship is going to get you away from God? I mean, that's kind of a crazy thing. And that's the reason some people say this is a parable is because that, you know, well, what prophet in their right mind would do this? But have you ever been pursued by God and done something that I'll just give it a try to see? Maybe he won't look this time. Maybe I can get by with this. Maybe I won't really have to do what God wants to do. He doesn't always react like this. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe I can get away from this thing God is calling me to do. Sometimes God pursues us and we do irrational things. You know, we flee from God in many different ways. It may not be physically trying to go hide in a ship. You know, some people may go get in their bed and cover, you know, up to here. You know, my wife Karen will tell you she still sleeps like that. Do you know why? Those of you of my generation, do you remember the series Dark Shadows with the vampires and stuff? You know, Barnabas can't bite you if you've got the covers up to here. Well, that's kind of the way we are as Christians with, we think, you know, maybe we can stick our heads in the sand and, and if we don't see God, he won't see us. And that is usually what happens is the reason we think we're getting away from something, getting away from God is because we're not seeing him, but he is seeing us. And we're not seeing him because we're not close enough in a relationship with him to see him. But we do flee from God in many different ways. So, so we've got Jonah. He doesn't want to go see these wicked people. I'm not going to go witness to them. I don't want anything to do with that mess. I am going to run from God. Well, here's what God responded to as, as he was in the ship sailing for Tarshish. But the Lord, Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Obviously, Jonah thought he had this thing whipped. I mean, I've run from God. I'm going down here. I'm going to crash out and catch a few Z's. I'm going to take a nap. I've got it going on now. So he was even sleeping through this storm in his life. We do the same thing. God sends these storms to our life, and we just sometimes ignore it like it's not going on around us. That couldn't be God telling me to do this. This storm couldn't have come into my life because of God. I'm just going to ignore it, go about my daily routine. I'll get a good night's sleep, and this storm will be over with, and it'll be okay. It doesn't work that way, folks. God is relentless in his pursuit of us. 
So he had gone down, and so the captain goes down and says to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out your God. Perhaps the God we give a thought to perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. In other words, we've prayed to our God and nothing's happened. Pray to yours and maybe he won't punish us along with you. And they said to one another, come let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lot and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation or where do you come from? What is your country and what people are you? Well, they wanted to find out about this guy and see, what in the world have you done? You know, why, why are we getting ready to be shipwrecked out here? You must be one evil, bad dude. Something must be going on in your life that we need to know about. And he said to them, this is Jonah responding. I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. Then the, man were, the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now that's an interesting little little snippet of scripture in of itself. These guys, notice up in the previous verses, they were praying to their gods, little g. They were praying to their gods. But then they found out who Jonah's God was and it scared them to death. You know why? Because they recognize this God is the big G God. He is the God. They may have not had him in their lives. They may have not known who he was or had a relationship, but they knew of his reputation and in the Old Testament what he had done to those that opposed him, and they were scared to death of God. They knew not to run from him. They knew to obey him. They knew to honor him. And so they found all this information out that this was who Jonah's God was. So then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea and then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not on us his innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done this as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. Now I like that. God, don't hold this against us, but we've heard the story. And this man wants to be thrown in the sea. Don't hold it against us. We're throwing him overboard. We want him off our ship. We've heard. We believe you're punishing him. Don't hold it against us. We want him off here. We're dumping him in the sea. So they picked him up and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Another interesting part of that story. I wonder, there's no record of it in Scripture, what happened to these men on this ship. You suppose they maybe became believers of the high God, the God, the only God, the big G God? And why did they do that? Because of Jonah's disobedience. See how, how God uses many different things to reach those around us? It may be our own disobedience that God even uses to reach someone around us. You know, we often wonder why we go through the things we go through. And and then after we go through them, Satan's number one thing is telling us you can't be used. You're too dirty a vessel. God can't use someone like you. You've messed up too much in life. You're, You're just a big screw up and God will never use you. 
That is a lie, a huge lie, because not only can God use us after those circumstances, he used this man during the circumstance, during the very part of his rebellion, he still used him as a witness, as a way to get those around him to see who the one true God was. You'll notice also that up here uh, in the previous verse, I didn't really highlight it as we went through, but they asked him who he was. Notice he said, and I can just see this, him saying this with, with pride. I'm a Hebrew. I'm a Christian. I follow the most high God. Well, you're running from him though. Why are you running from him if you're such a good Christian? Do we do that? When people ask, you know, well, I go to so-and-so Baptist church. Yes, that's me. I go there every Sunday. Yes, I go to Wednesday night. I go to Monday night visitation. Yes, I'm a Christian. Well, then why are you in such a mess? Because you're running from him. See, it happens to us the same way today, just a little different, different circumstances. So now they have thrown this guy overboard. And so what does God do? Doesn't let him drown. Doesn't let him float alone. Jonah 117. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I want to know how that happened. Don't you? Don't you want to go talk to Jonah and figure that one out? And well, what did you do? Did you know, what does the inside of a great fish look like? Notice it doesn't say whale. People knew that we're writing scripture what a whale was. It was described as a great fish. Who knows what that fish looked like? You know, we don't have any idea. How many of y'all have seen the previews for the new Jurassic Park movie? Have you seen the giant fish that comes up out of the tank? Maybe that's what ate Jonah with something that looked like that. We don't know. Anything is possible because we don't know what this great fish really was. So don't get in your mind that it had to be this whale and you're trying to, you know, well, how did he get in the whale's mouth and where did he live in there? And what did he do? I don't know. God may have had this giant fish with an efficiency apartment inside of it. You know, I don't know how God did it. It was a miracle. I'm not supposed to know. It's supposed to be unknown. It's supposed to illustrate God's power and what he can do in our lives and sometimes god sends these events into our lives when we're running from him because he wants us to sit on the sidelines and consider our next actions as we're running away sometimes god puts even catastrophic events in our path to make us sit down think about it pray about it and ask god what do i do next I'm kind of out of action. You know, you're not going to do a whole lot of prophesying or anything else if you're in the belly of a big old fish, are you? You're going to be kind of isolated, and it's going to be you, the inside of the fish, and God. And that's going to be your entire world as it exists. God ever set you on the sidelines to where you thought that was all existed? Was you, your problem, and God? That's why he does it. He isolates us sometimes. He uses those problems and makes us focus and makes us think and makes us take a little bit of a time out. How many of you, you know, do your kids get a time out or do they get a butt whooping? Now, don't raise your hand. Don't have to turn you into child services. Look. Hey, when I was growing up, time out was what you did in a baseball game. There was no such thing as that. It, you know, in, you know, the, you didn't get a time out of the house go sitting now. That didn't happen. If you got to that point, it was a bad thing. But, you know, we do sometimes, God puts us in what we would call time out these days as a way to make you, the, and a lot of parents do that instead of giving the butt whooping that the old southern boys used to give them, because it's to illustrate and make the child think about what they've done and think about a better way to go about their lives and learn something. That's exactly what God is doing here with Jonah. He's giving him a time out, giving him the time on the sidelines to think about what he's doing. Now, Jonah... Then prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. What else are you going to do? 
Are you going to run around and try and look for, you know, an opening? Are you going to look for daylight? If the fish opens its mouth to eat something else, are you going to try and swim out? You know, you think about, especially us guys, you know, we all think we're MacGyver. You know, what can I do? You know, is there something in here I can make? I can poke the fish, you know, I can, I can, if I swim through far enough, I can stick the back of his eyeball and he'll sneeze and I'll jump out or something. You know, you think all these fantastic ways to get out of here. It's not the way it works, you know. We are relying on God in this situation. We've got to pray and God is doing this situation situation because sometimes God puts us in the difficult situation to grow to draw us closer to him and help us grow you know all of us have life experiences that we can account for where God has grown us and we've drawn closer to him because of a situation in our life that was unpleasant now when we're going through that situation we don't like it we often don't know why God's doing it we want God to take us out of that situation But do you know how many times God uses that very situation and that trial you've been through, whatever it may be, even if it was of of your own making, later on in life as a Christian and you have the opportunity to sit down with somebody else going through the same thing and guide them through it and help them know how to pray to God and how to get through that situation. That's the reason many times I think those situations come to us. But anyway, Jonah has prayed to God. He's praying through this situation. And then he says in Jonah 2, 7, when my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Now, notice a couple of things, key things in this verse. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. Boy, that sounds familiar. How many of us don't call on the Lord or pray or read scripture or anything till we're in a bind? Myself included. We all, if you read, uh, uh, our student pastor, David, this week, his blog, that was part of his blog was being in the scripture, being in the word and praying and getting this relationship time with God so that we know these things. Hey, none of us are very good at that. We're not as good as we should be at it. And, you know, we wait till we're in this crisis and then it's please God save me from A, B, C, D, whatever it is, whether it's a catastrophic illness, finances, addiction, whatever it may be in your life that's burdening you so badly we then turn to God. And that's okay. You should turn to God. It's not a sin. It's not shameful. Do turn to God then. But remember when you get out of that situation to continue on. Look at the next verse. Jonah chapter 2 verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Okay, that's just nasty, is it not? Uh, it's awesome, yeah. I knew one of my guys in here was like, yes, that is awesome to get puked out of a fish and be dry. You know, can you imagine what he looked like? Uh, you know, if he didn't have the efficiency apartment in there, which I don't think he really did because scripture doesn't indicate that. You know, he's in here with like plankton and seaweed and nasty stomach gases. And stuff. I guess, you know, he come out kind of bleached looking, you know, and nasty and just, oh, he's going to look bad when he comes out. And he spits him out into the dry land. And so here he is, you know, what I do next after I've come through this. How many of you will agree that oftentimes an encounter with God leaves you messy? It happens. The things we go through in life, we don't always come out on the other side looking the cleanest and best that we can. Sometimes in the middle of that, as we make the decision to say, God, I was going this way. I now want to go this way, which we call repentance. In that instance, when we switch from this direction, from this, we probably look like we've been vomited out of a big old fish. We look nasty. We look awful, especially to the Christian community. We look useless and dirty and nasty. 
But God still sees the inside of us and God knows our hearts and, and that we're trying to make a new direction in our lives. And that's what Jonah is doing here. So here's Jonah's second chance. Jonah chapter three, verse one. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Hey, so far, biblical blunder sounding pretty good, isn't it? Jonah, he got all messed up, tried to run away, got eat up by a fish, puked out on the beach. Now everything's cool with God. Here we go. I'm ready to serve you. Everything's good. Hunky-dory. I know I still hate those people, but I'm going anyway. That's kind of the attitude that Jonah had. You know what? Do you think God is a God of second chances? I do. Do you know what, though? We say that a lot. Because we want to be people of second chances. We want people who have been through a horrible situation to always come out of it on the other side with a second chance to redeem themselves to God, to the church, to society. We like second chances. Do you know what, though? God's nature is he doesn't always give a second chance. Y'all ever thought about that? We preach this a lot. Look at this example. And this is just a real quick look into the New Testament in Acts chapter 5. A couple named Ananias and Sapphira. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. The problem was they agreed to give the whole thing. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. God's not always a God of second chances. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that to keep us from maybe going in the path that Jonah went in in the first place. You know, maybe this, this path, had Jonah known this story, you know, this is... This is hundreds of years in the future that this happens. If Jonah had had that story, maybe he could have thought and said, you know, well, Ananias screwed up and didn't do what God asked of him. God let him drop dead on the site. And his wife following him said the same lie. And his body had barely been carried out when hers came behind him. You know, maybe if we thought those things, maybe if we thought those things before we turn to those things that we know are harmful for us, those things that are not good for our lives, for our relationships, maybe if we, instead of turning to those thoughts, do you know what? I don't want to go that direction. I think I might better step back from that and get back on the right path. We talk about that in our, our chaos management group. Uh, actually, that came up this past Wednesday night, as a matter of fact. No one that ever starts down a path of drinking or drugs or anything else that is so self-destructive ever thinks they will wind up where they get to. They don't start out saying, man, I hope I'm a hopeless drunk that can't work. I hope that I'm an addict that can barely function. I hope that I get put in jail. I hope I have felonies and all these things. I hope I have to steal for a living to support my habit. I hope I lose my family. I hope I do all these things. We never start out thinking that down that path. But we know that where we're going to end up if we don't listen to God and obey him. And that's what happens in these situations. But now, let's go and look at the happy side of the story. We've had enough doom and gloom on Jonah's part. So Jonah goes and does what he's supposed to. 
And we'll see later, I think he did it with a reluctant heart. But he went and he preached to those sorry, cruel, just awful people at Nineveh. And you know what they did with the message? They believed God and received it gladly. Look at the next verse, Jonah 3, 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, which is their way of kind of mourning and showing respect and, and honor to God. From the greatest of them to the least of them. Wow, indeed. He went to the worst place in the world with a reluctant heart and turned it absolutely upside down for God. And they repented and believed and honored God. How about that? That'd be like walking into Los Angeles. And, you know, that was probably comparable to the size of the city of Nineveh because it talks about it was a three-day journey for him to walk from one end of the city into the midst of it. Oh, my gosh, that's a huge city. And it would be like walking in there and saying, hey, guys, I've got a message for you. God says this. He's the one true and holy God. And they go, I believe. This is awesome. Yes, I want to be part of this. I want to believe. You know, sometimes I wonder, and here's the difference in Jonah and us, and we're going to see this in a minute. If we went into that situation, would we truly believe that God would so touch their hearts that they'd repent and change their ways? What would we say? We'd be like, yeah, right. I'll go tell them, God, but you know how they are. They're not going to change. We kind of have the opposite situation with Jonah. Listen to what Jonah says in Jonah 3.10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Skipping on down to the next set of verses, we've already seen that they've, they've repented. God didn't punish them. He didn't destroy their city. Here's what this did to Jonah, Jonah 4.1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is it not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. What Jonah knew was he so believed in God and the power of God's word and God's convictions on people's lives that if he took it to these sorry, rotten, cruel, horrible people in Nineveh, they'd repent and God would be okay with it. He didn't want that. It would be like us going, well, God, I'll go to Los Angeles and I know I'm going to preach your word and I know what you're going to do. You're going to take those sorry movie stars, all that bunch of crap that goes on out there. The next thing we know, Lindsay Lohan will be all over the world evangelizing. That's just what's going to happen. You know, we look at it. We don't think that. We think there's an outside chance that somebody might clean up their life a little bit. Jonah knew God's power and he knew what God was going to do. And God did it. And it made Jonah mad because he didn't like those people. I really don't like those people. I don't want them to get a second chance. They don't deserve a second chance. You know what? I live my life right. Why in the world should they get a second chance when I do everything I'm supposed to do? Why can they live like hell on earth, do whatever they want, and then just come and say, Oh, God, I'm sorry. I repent. And they get what they want. How many of y'all felt that way? I have. You know, that's not fair. People that do the right thing, we ought to be the ones driving around in the big, nice cars and stuff instead of these movie stars, right, if we're in Los Angeles, you know? Shouldn't we get all the goods because, you know, God's going to bless us? Isn't God supposed to bless us? Isn't that what he says? Somehow we as a society have equated that with stuff is the way God blesses us. And that's not true. God blesses us in extraordinary, supernatural ways. 
but we don't see it like that. We're looking for this, this material blessing of God, and we want to be like that. And that's what makes us jealous of these people and why we don't like them is because many times people have material good stuff, and we don't. And we think that God is showing them too much favor by, well, they've got stuff and you now. That's just really not fair. And then when they do, do something right, and I think they try, then everybody hates them. Okay? Give you an example of, of someone that many people, Kirk Cameron. I don't know exactly his testimony. I don't know exactly. But the things I hear, he's speaking the truth. Okay? There's no doubt about it. The people in Hollywood don't like him because he's a religious nut. The religious nuts don't like him because they don't think he's genuine enough. And he's stuck in the middle doing what God wants him to do, I believe. And we're like that as people. We're so judgmental. We so look at people and and it's like we can look into their hearts and we just know he's not the real deal. He's a movie star. He can't get in the movie star. He's not the real deal. He's one of those fake Christians. And you wind up that everything's against you. And this goes back to the conversation I was going to tell you earlier about that Josh and I were having is it seems like studies have shown that you have difficulty. When you have very little down here on this end, life is difficult. You're trying to scrape by. But as you go up and you're materially blessed, you reach this plateau where everything's going good. Then when you get to a certain point in your life, it gets hard no matter how much you have materially. Do you believe that? How many people do we see that are from... from you know, wealthy families, well-to-do families, stuff that have children that are just absolutely off the rails in their life. It's part of the problem is how to deal with that wealth and having such affluence and things in your life and not knowing how to manage it. And it can make your life harder. And Josh brought this great analogy, I thought, this morning to me. He said, you know what? Our Christian life's the same way. When we're down here low in our faith, you know, we're, we're struggling and everything's hard. We're trying to figure everything out. And then we get up to a certain point, hey, this is And then we get to this plateau. I've got it figured out. I'm doing good. Okay. And then we go off that deep end where we've got so much faith that we start going the wrong way again. Westboro Baptist Church would be a good example of that. People that think they've got it all figured out up here. Everybody else is, is awful. And we've got it figured out. That's where Jonah was at. Jonah was a prophet, and Jonah was up here at this level. He doesn't realize he's already taken this dip and this downward turn because he has no compassion for those around him. He has no no desire to deal with them and their sins because he knows God's going to save them, and he don't want them saved. He don't like them. He wants them punished. He wants them to pay for the things they've done in their lives, much as we do when somebody wrongs us. We want them to pay. You know, if someone did something to one of your children or your spouse or your property, what is the first thing you would want? Revenge, repayment, that sort of thing. What's the first thing God says? I ah, let it go. It's okay. I forgive them. God, that's a hard lesson. That's awful for us to think. But we've gotten to that point. We're at that tipping point where it's like, instead of keeping going up, we've kind of started, we've started going back down because we've looked at this and decided we're better than they are. And that's where Jonah was at. I'm better than they are, God. And I know you're going to take care of them and bless them and all that. And I just don't like it. It's not fair. So we see basically through, and I'm not going to go through the end of the story for time's sake. Jonah goes out and kind of has his pity party. And God comes and says, dude, get up out of it. I don't want to hear it. You know, he sends this. Jonah's out here in the desert burning up. And God creates this little plant that comes up and makes shade over. And this is a, a funky story in itself. And so he's got this little plant getting shade over him. And then God lets the plant wilt and die. And Jonah is just mournful. Oh, where's my plant? Where's my shade? Why did it have to die? And God comes back and says, Jonah, 
there's masses of lost people in Nineveh and you care more about that darn plant than you did their souls. That's where Jonah got to. That's the reason he is one of the biggest biblical blunders you will see. It's not because he had this happy story of he went and did this. He went and did what God wanted to and still didn't like it. It still wasn't blessed because of his attitude that he was doing while he served God. And that's something we as Christians need to be very mindful of, is that while we serve God, we have responsibilities to be compassionate towards those people. Not because just God says it's for us to do this activity, but because we genuinely love and care about them. That's a difference. That's one of the things that I know you guys probably get tired of me harping on it. It's some of my homeless friends. God, it breaks my heart to see the way people treat them. You know, they are out. All these ladies and men that I've seen have some kind of problem in their life, okay? Most of them, we would say, they ain't quite right, is what we would say about them. But you know what? It's okay. They're not quite right. God loves them just like he does me. I'm not quite right either, if you hadn't noticed. You know, so God is looking at them and loves them. And he wants me to love them. Not because I'm supposed to, because I'm supposed to I love everybody. Because God loves you. You have value to me. And, I, and Cassie and I were watching. We had some food left back here. And I saw my friend Eugene was over here panhandling at the Walmart. And I thought, oh, man, I'm going to grab a bag. I've got some soup and stuff in there. I'm going to take it back by and see Eugene as we leave. We pull around there and I'm watching. And Eugene's standing out there, you know, God bless, need food, help out if you can or whatever. And we see this lady, and you can tell by the way she's dressed that she has just rolled in from church somewhere, rolled into the Walmart, got her stuff, and she comes by in her big Lincoln with her fish on the back and won't even make eye contact as she drives by him. Kind of the way Jonah was with the people of Nineveh. That's a modern-day way that we look at those around us of not being worth God's gospel, not being worth his compassion, not being worth our love and compassion, not being worth our financial resources or anything else. Those awful people down there like that that are homeless, they can get a job. They can do something. They can pull themselves up by their bootstraps and make their way like I did because I'm be- Ooh, Jonah attitude right there. I'm better than them. God doesn't deserve to bless. It's not fair that God would bless them. God doesn't ever tell us he's fair in those situations, does he? He just tells us he loves everyone and is compassionate and wants to see everyone saved. That includes Eugene over here. That includes all these other people I see. Eugene, I've never gotten him to come in these doors. I even offered to to let him use our shower facility the other day as a way to get him in and let him know he could trust us. But you know what? That humble little old man, 75 years old, been on the street for 10 or 15 years. uh, I think he's on an extended camping trip because he knows how to handle it. He's a pro now. But, but, you know, he's not going, he's not a big drinker. He's not going and drinking up your money if you give it to him. He just gets enough to get by. He's got his little Coleman stove and stuff. But I look at him and think... You know, this guy is the real deal because when I talk to him, I know who I'm talking to. He's Eugene. He's genuine. He's not looking at anybody else. He's not looking down on anyone or up to anyone. He sees us all as equals. He's not jealous of me having a car and a house. Doesn't bother him. He knows his role in life and where he's at. But one of the things that I thought I was so floored by is he remembers several months ago one act I did. One act. I gave him a $5 bill, and he remembers it. I mean, that just blows me away. One little act of kindness. I didn't miss that $5, okay? I thought, I'll give this to, and that's before I really knew him. And I gave that to him, and that meant the world to him. 
And now he says, yeah, you're that, you're, you're the pastor guy from over at the church. You gave me $5 and got me something to drink that morning. Yeah, it, it was funny because I was a little taken aback by this. I brought him a sausage and biscuit. We had some here and I took one out and asked him, would he like one? I said, I brought you some water. He said, I'd really rather have a Coca-Cola. Could you get me one of those? That's <laughs> the reason I love the guy. He's honest. So I went over and bought him a Coke and we sat down. It was like a Coca-Cola commercial. We had a Coke and a smile and we sat there and enjoyed ourselves and got refreshed and everything, you know. But he was genuinely appreciative because he knew in my heart that I saw him and me on an equal plane. I wasn't looking down. I wasn't, and I wasn't trying to be the great white knight and reach in and sweep down and, you know, save him from his situation and what was going on. I just wanted to be his friend and talk to him. And he understood that and recognized it. But this is what I want to say here. A couple of closing points is that Jonah could readily see the sins of the people of Nineveh, but wouldn't acknowledge that his own sin of disobedience was just as bad. How many of us condemn those around us and look at, oh, that's awful what they're doing. And yet we're running from God about something in our own lives. May not be as serious as the way Jonah was running, but there is always something. The Bible tells us that God pursues us. That doesn't mean he stops when we get saved. It means he continually pursues us and wants us to become more like his son. As long as we're here on this earth, we need to be striving to be more like Christ, more like Jesus more like our Savior. And God pursues us in wanting us to do that. And we need to, to acknowledge that. And we need to acknowledge when we're disobedient that we're no better than these people. I'm no better than Eugene. He doesn't work for living I do. That doesn't give me anything. The only thing that matters is our relationship to Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and how we portray that to others, even those people that we do not like. My final soapbox, and David touched on it again in his blog this weekend, I am so tired of hearing about Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner from Christians. Christians are who I'm tired of hearing it from because, oh, it's awful. Oh, my gosh, society's going to collapse and all the da-da-da. Okay, number one is, the worst thing about it is, he is a celebrity. I will tell you that if any of you in this congregation have a sex change, you will not get the publicity that he's getting. It's because he was on the box. How many of y'all been on a box of Wheaties? Oh, right, we got one. So see, good. So, you know, if you've been on a box of Wheaties, you might expect, you know, a little bit of, you know, how many other Olympic athletes can you even name? Not many. This is happening not because he got a sex change. It's because he's daggum famous is why. And we as society have played into this and we've thrown the sexual part into it to make him a hero. That's okay. You know, in the world's view, he is a hero because he is going against culture just as Christians go against culture. I don't value that value, but the world does. And that's the reason they've deemed him a hero is he's gone against the culture, against the norm, and he has stepped out and done something. Okay? And I don't agree with that. I don't agree that he's made the right decision. But that doesn't give me the right to condemn and hate him either. It does not give me the right to say, well, that's just awful. Again, that's the Jonah attitude. Well, I may not be doing what God's want, but I didn't have a sex change operation, so I'm okay. Right? That's, that's what it looks like. Yeah, I'm, I'm better than him. And, I, and, and that's just, and we go about, oh, I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. No, you don't. You hate Bruce Jenner, so you hate because you hate what he represents, and you hate that he's doing that, and you hate that he's getting that publicity, and you hate the fact that God didn't just strike him dead when he did it. That's what your real problem is in your heart. And you may not realize that 
And that's being just as disobedient as Jonah was. You have to love God. Now, I don't know, the man or woman for whatever he is. Okay? That was not my decision. I would not support it. But God didn't tell me I could change my stance towards him based on his sexual orientation. Now, God has told me what he says in Scripture is true about the role of the sexes and what that means. It's pretty plain in Scripture. But he's never told me I can't love somebody because of their decision. And that's where we as Christians need to do it. Now, don't take it too far again. Over the top and get to the other side. You know, we sometimes react inappropriately when God shows favor to people we don't like. And that's just the way it is. That was Jonah's life. That's the thing with Bruce Jenner. You know, people we don't like, we hate it. You know, sometimes if God shows them favor. What if, what if Caitlyn Jenner got saved? What would y'all do then? Good grief. That, that's a... That's a dilemma, you know. I don't. Do you go back and reverse the changes you had made and become a man again? Is that the only way that she can be saved? Think about the complexity of this situation that we're tying to this. It's not his anatomy that makes him get into heaven or hers. It's their heart. They may not can reverse the changes they've made in their life any more than I can release the changes and decisions I've made in my life to get to here. But it's my heart that I can always change and I can always make that change, you know. And don't go too far and get politically correct about this and think, okay, I'm too holy to even laugh at the jokes about it. Okay, jokes are funny sometimes, okay? How many of you have seen a funny joke about it? I'm going to share my one just to tell you that I'm not a stick in the mud and hate Bruce Jenner. This one was funny. How many of you have seen the picture with Chelsea Clinton and her dad, Bill Clinton, and Bill's going, and she says, Dad, that's Bruce Jenner. Okay, that's funny, okay? You can laugh at society. You can laugh at these things. We don't have to be so holy and so removed and say, that's not Christ-like. Come on, folks. Laugh. Have a little bit of fun with things, too. Now, is that hurtful to him? I don't know. That's where you kind of have to draw the line. Is when you're, you're making fun and having humor at someone else's expense, you have to consider their feelings. You know, if you know someone, there's people in here I can pick on all day long because we love each other and we have fun. I so wish Chris Caldwell was here this morning. I don't have anybody to pick on. And I don't think Josh even walked in. And, you know, I can't tell. So, you know, there's these people I have a great relationship with and we pick at each other because that's what we do. But we love each other. We do humor at each other's expense. Not in a hateful or harmful way, though. You know, there are some people out here that deserve it. And I'm not going to mention her name because she'll snort in person. But uh, look, everybody knows who it is. I don't even have to say anymore. But guys, we love each other. We need to be community. We need to be concerned about each other. And we need to take the gospel that Christ has given us. And unlike Jonah, not give it reluctantly to those around us, but give it gladly in the hopes and prayers that it will have the same effect that it did on the people of Nineveh. Again, another biblical blunder there. Just so you'll know the whole story, all those people that, that repented there in Nineveh, that said they changed their they changed their lives, that they, they wanted to follow the Most High God, 150 years later they were destroyed by God because they fell away. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes there's not a happy ending because people don't continue on the path that they say they're going to. So, so those blunders in your life may not have a positive outcome. We really don't see resolution in Jonah's story to what happened. We don't see resolution, a positive thing, to what happened to the people in Nineveh after they repented and turned away, and then God punished them by destroying their nation. But I know that you know and you have seen people around you that have made the right right choice, and you've seen the positive outcome in their life. And there are scores of people within these walls this morning that I know personally that have gone through great struggles in their life and have come through them. And God has blessed them. 
Okay? It does happen. And they have stayed on the right path for years. And don't be jealous of that. You know, don't be jealous that your life doesn't look like that. Maybe you're still struggling in something in your in the way you follow God. Just keep after it. Just keep after it. Just like God pursues us, we need to pursue Him. And keep that in mind as you go through this week and the things that you do. And sometimes when you're tempted to, maybe if you're a Christian and have this attitude, I'm a little better than them. You're not. And just have that love and compassion that God had for those people in Nineveh, for those around us that we can influence and that we can have an impact by sharing the gospel. So, guys, if you guys want to make your way back up to stage, um, I appreciate your attention this morning. Thank you for being here on a... Uh, the holiday summer, as I call it now, I think we've become Europeans and we now go on holiday because it lasts all summer. But we do appreciate everyone that's here this morning. Again, think about the VBS, the opportunity to impact children's lives. And let's just have a word of prayer as, as these guys get ready to come and, and bless us with another song. Father, I want to thank you. I thank you for this day, your blessings, the story of Jonah, Lord. And, and the own, my own reflection, God, of sometimes that that I, I shortchange people maybe or sell them short of their, their ability to, to do what you want them to do, God. And we just need to always be bold with proclaiming your gospel to those around us because, Lord, you work miracles in people's lives. You saved the entire city of Nineveh from their sins, God. They, 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 forsook, they, they forsook the things they were doing and turned to you, if even for a short period of time, Lord, maybe only one generation. But, God, we just need to believe that in our lives, that those around us are worth saving, God, that they're worth, they do have value, even if they don't look or act like us. And we need to love them despite the sins in their lives, God. And I just pray that as we do this, we'll, we'll have resolution in our own lives, that we'll continue to pursue you as you pursue us, God, and that we'll look more like Christ each and every day of our Christian lives. And we just pray this in your son's name. Amen.